A lot of people don't know the Salvation Army is a church because there's so much more. And we have all these other arms going out there. But I am aware that for years, uh, Andy Miller came out here and preached, who uh, is probably our most famous Salvation Army person around. Uh, he's now with Jesus, uh, entertaining Jesus, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, he would take one hand here about our, our, this is our spiritual ministry and this is our social ministry. And they have to come together. Yeah, well, that, that was Andy Miller. <laughs> And we had a great time over the years uh, uh, being under his ministry, and so I was thrilled to hear that he has been here uh, at this wonderful place. And it gives us the opportunity to come and to uh, share with you for this week. My wife and I are both Salvation Army officers. We have been Salvation Army officers for 39 years. And uh, fortunately, we get to retire soon, although retirement is not a biblical principle, but we get to retire soon. I'm going to try to keep this uh, as contemporary as I am, because when you're talking contemporary in the 70s, that's what I am, because uh, it's great to see you young people here. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, and you did so well in your choir, and um, thank you. Thank you for your ministry to us. And I hope that maybe this week I can minister to you some things that, uh, in my old age. I know I don't. In my old days, um, you, you can maybe gain from some of the things that I have experienced. I've been married to my beautiful wife, Connie, over here, for 43 years. Hmm. I had to think about that. Um, we hit 44 in October, and so that's why I'm, you know, I have to stop and think. Now, this is an odd year, so... But when does it fall? Yeah. Don't ever forget your anniversary. Okay? Don't, don't do that. We are presently assigned to the Salvation Army's uh, Evangelical Booth College in Atlanta. I do apologize right up front for my accent. And if you have a hard time understanding what I'm saying, maybe there's somebody beside you that can translate Southern. <laughs> Uh, good, I got some translators in the back. <laughs> you can get headphones a little later, and then <coughs> you'll understand what, we're, what we are saying, because uh, I do have a um, rather southern accent. I grew up in Atlanta. Yeah, I have southern. I grew up in Atlanta, graduated high school in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, got married in, in Florida, but Florida's not southern. Florida is not so. You know, it, so anyway, we, we've been married 43 years and at uh, our Presley station at the Evangelical Booth College. Now, in that particular place, that's our two-year college in the Salvation Army for officer training. We train for two years. It's our seminary slash trade school. We teach young cadets. That's what we call how to become Salvation Army officers, ordained ministers, commissioned to do the work of Jesus Christ in the Salvation Army. So that's our job. What a fun job that is. Uh, I am a homiletics professor. 
That means I teach preaching. So please don't take notes about how I do it because it has nothing to do with how I teach it. Uh, well, yeah, do as I say I tell the cadets instead of this as I do. Because uh, I probably wouldn't allow them to ramble on like I'm doing right now. We also have the privilege of teaching New Testament book studies. My wife teaches 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John as, a, as an elective book study. And uh, she knows those books backwards and forwards and inside out and, and really teaches the Word of God. I get to teach the book of Ephesians, or I have been for the last few years, teaching the book of Ephesians. And I love the book of Ephesians. I am headed over to Old Testament homiletics in this next term coming up, which I don't do a whole lot of preaching from the Old Testament. So I'm having to go back to school myself and study, and what am I going to teach about Old Testament preaching? Um, things are set up a little differently in the Old Testament, and so I'm trying to wrap my head around that. But here's the great thing. From cover to cover, all the Word of God is about Jesus. Okay? All that stuff that goes in the very beginning all the way through all the prophets, all the way through the book of Revelation, it's about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and soon coming King. His daddy introduces him. When he is baptized, you remember the story? He, he is baptized, and this voice from heaven says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That would scare me to death. But he's introduced by his own papa. They had a great relationship, this father and his son. Such a great relationship that, that it's, it's one that I want to have with my children and my grandchildren. So here's how it works. Sometimes we get together and, and the smaller grandchildren, I'm able to throw them up in the air or, or pick them up and sling them around. They're getting so big, I can't do that anymore. Okay, then I end up there like this for a week. Invariably, invariably, every time, they will say, Papa, do it again. I want you to remember that phrase because all week long I am going to focus on that phrase. Do it again. Papa God, do it again. Do it again. <coughs> we're going to talk about revival through the week. We're going to talk about some of the great Bible stories and how they relate to this. But I need to set some parameters. You can't be revived if you are never born. You know, if, if this is just something that is not alive, you can't breathe breath into it and make it alive. Not revive it. And so, I realize that probably if you're coming to, to share in camp, you 
already had an encounter with Jesus Christ. You've already had this experience of he is my Lord. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to be with him. But all of us need revival. Where he breathes a new breath into us. In the second chapter of Genesis, it retells the story of creation when he took Adam and Eve. And it says, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. It is that breath that continues from Genesis to Revelation of Jesus breathing back into us. Even when we have been alive, especially when we have been alive, but we begin to lose a little of that life and we need a fresh breath of God. Breathe on me, breath of God. In the Hebrew, the, the word ruach, and this love sounding double. Sounded like I know what I'm talking about. I don't. It can mean the spirit, the wind, the breath, and the ruach of God moved across the waters. The Spirit of God. But the Ruach of God was also the breath of life. When God breathed into Adam that very first time, the breath of life, it is the same as saying the Spirit blew into God and who remained when he came. The wind blew into man, and he became a living soul. And then when we get, when Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and he is in with all of these uh, uh, disciples who are on them, and said, receive Hallelujah, send the glory. I like that better than the blinding glory. 
song that y'all sang tonight? Listen, listen. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. I'm glad you sang that version instead of the wet, sloppy kiss. That, that one, uh, sloppy, wet kiss doesn't uh, number of good things. Anyway, the Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. So the psalmist, who we really don't know who it was, said, what you did in the past, do it again. So in the day of Pentecost, they were all gathered together in one place. You know the story? Acts 2. And the Spirit came upon them in such a way that the flaming tongues of fire came down and rested upon each of them. And then they were just like Jonathan said, they didn't do nothing. That's how it was in Ephesians. In, in Acts, uh, the 19th chapter, when you read about the, the church at, at, at Ephesus, and Paul goes in and he finds 12 guys who are claiming to be Christians. They've accepted Jesus. Have you received the Holy Spirit? He says. Uh, the Holy Spirit. We don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I got something for you. These 12 guys were sitting around like Jonathan was talking about. Like most frozen chosen churches. That they haven't really received a fresh pouring of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He transforms us. And does something in us that no other <coughs> Now, Connie and I were in Israel. I'm, I'm not throwing this around just to kind of brag about it or anything. But part of our job in continuing education, because we're responsible for the continuing education of Salvation Army officers in the southern United States. And that includes all of their going back to school. Uh, it includes CEUs and conferences that they have to go to, and we've designed some of those. But we also have to, we have to lead tours every year to Israel and to the footsteps of Paul. So we have to go to Israel every February, and we have to go to Greece, Turkey, and Italy every September, October. You know, you should feel sorry. It's a terrible thing. The last four years, we have celebrated our anniversary in Rome. <laughs> When I retire, I'm going to have a hard time trying to manage that. We were in Israel last year, the trip that we took last year. We were in the upper room. Now, when we have a, a group of officers and, and we're, we're having these spiritual experiences everywhere we go, we, we spend three days up at the Sea of Galilee and we go out on the Sea of Galilee. You know, 
know it. And someone says, okay, put your hand here, put your hand here. Look at the shore, and that seven-mile stretch is two-thirds of the ministry of Jesus. We, we go down to the Dead Sea. We go to Masada. We go to En Gedi. We go to see where David went up into the, the little uh, hills of En Gedi and, and back into the springs and, and where the deer pants for water so my soul pants after you. And then we cross over into Jerusalem. We come over the hill and as the bus comes over the hill it's rather corny but the bus driver puts in a CD and he hits Jerusalem, Jerusalem. It's, it's corny. But we pull over this hill, and here's this beautiful picture, just right out of a postcard of the, the Temple Mount with that mosque on it. But here is Jerusalem. And we spend about three days in Jerusalem just going from place to place. Oh, it is exciting. That is one of the neatest things. One of the needs is going to the upper room. So we go to the upper room, expecting to have this wonderful spiritual experience. It happened to be a Saturday. Shabbat. It's a Sabbath in Jerusalem. There were several other tour groups inside the upper that in your life. He wants to baptize 
John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water. But one's coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. First thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. 
is that God gave them a common communication. Now, I don't know where you stand on, on speaking in tongues or not speaking in tongues. Helpers. And there's a lot of very similar things. But sometimes that one destroys relationships in the body of Christ. I don't know where you stand on speaking in tongues or not. This has to do with common. And they all heard the gospel. There were Parthians, Parthians, Parthians. There were Phrygians, Pamphylians. All those Indians that I had no cost is, is the biggest festival after Passover. They come for this special time, Pentecost. That we can be like God, and there's nothing that can stop us. Let's build their language so that they could not accomplish those things. And common communication so that we can accomplish all. So there's this common communication. I think sometimes aren't good communication. The only thing that really matters is and we need to be communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ and it's from darkness into life. That we might share the good news of Jesus Christ with those who was that God gave a gift of commensurate. I like doing alliterative things, and so I couldn't come up with anything for courage that matches the task. It's up to what it's supposed to be. Commensurate. It's earlier. Peter had denied knowing Jesus. We go to the church in Galatia in Jerusalem, which is Peter was sitting around the fire pit. And in that particular place that Jesus was. They made a nice little courtyard there. There's a firewall right there. And there was a door that is no longer there. And out of that door was the, the chamber where Jesus was. It was closer than I am today. And it says that when Peter heard that rooster crow, that his eyes caught Jesus. This close. With Jesus and the rooster crow. And it never fell all around the place. Everything. Like John. Part of a, a prison ministry at the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary, which is where the worst of the worst are. And we had Bible study with the inmates. And when that first gate shuts, and that second. He was scared to death. So, why? He has a commensurate. Listen to me carefully. That you crucified. What? This is a guy that just a few days earlier had crucified. He lives. But you get that kind of courage when the Spirit of God comes. <laughs> Just review them real quickly. First of all, there was 
courage that makes me stop. It's not stop. The third compelling And that you have love one for another. One of the Salvation Army on this platform back seven, eight years ago. I'm looking at it. I know we've been to see this. When you are filled with the Spirit of God, like you never had before. And he describes his place flooded with light. Well, for St. Logan Priegel, it said, he's I'm in love. I was in love, he used the word, and even the little urchins on the street, I love them. In you, you now have a compelling, something that's going to cause you not just to love your little clique, but to love the game that's only you got to Great. You are my friends. So he builds us with this Their life was not characterized, it was more characterized by judgment and fills us fresh and anew. He fills us with a love of Messiah every day. That's not doable by ourselves. You can't give that kind of communication unless Jesus. You don't have that courage unless Jesus. So that when somebody comes against our tour guide in Turkey is persecuted of Turkey is Islamic. He was and he found Jesus. Drafted into the army where they treated him. They did testing on him. Testing on him that his still stands up for Jesus. And I don't want to downplay that. Yeah, you have. You, you have been persecuted for your faith. You're still to the point of what they did to Gurkhan. But maybe to the point of don't let that happen. Let regardless of what opposition regardless of what everybody else is trying to tell you to do. Revive us again. Fill each soul be rekindled with the fire of the Lord. It's well enough to play it, I know. So, if I think it's one. I'm wrong. Index. 149. I want us to sing this. Do it again, Dad. Do it again, Dad. Let's again fill each heart with hope, with fire from above. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thine the glory, revive. If you want that to happen in your life, revive us, Holy Lord. Bring that fresh breath into me. Change me. 
Fill me anew and afresh. Revive us again. There we are. Don't forget tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. Right? Uh,